Praise be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 37 is a familiar text. I'm going to read it, but we're going to skip the main portion which we usually hear about. The dry bones in the valley. Powerful. We're going to go to the next section briefly to see what God has to say for us today. Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter 37. I want to say another thing that has blessed me over the years. That is, the word of God, if I don't know God through his word, then I'm going to end up being familiar, becoming familiar with another God. I may call him Yahweh, Jehovah, Jesus. I may call him the great I am and the Lamb of God, the captain of my salvation. But the character of God and his power, his attributes will be totally different because I need the word of God to inform me. Because it's God's self-disclosure. It's God's own revelation of himself. Will that ever be flawed? Never. When God says, this is who I am, we can know for sure this is who he is. Once we understand who he is, we can approach him the right way and make a connection with him and receive his blessing. But if I don't know the word, I will never understand who he really is. I will be writing and cruising on some concept that I picked up here and there and never have that firm footing that I can trust God. I can trust his promises. And I am the one that will benefit from his word. I'm not letting go of God until everything that he's spoken of in my life will come to pass. In fact, God encourages us to do that. Ezekiel chapter 37. Beginning with verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley. Imagine if this aisle right here was the valley and you're in one place and all of a sudden the spirit of God just like with Philip and others in the Bible he transports you in the spirit and you find yourself right in the valley and you open your eyes and you look, it's a valley but you see bones, skeletons here skeletons there and as you survey the valley Ezekiel said there were very many bones everywhere bones Signify death. He was in the midst of death, decay, decomposition of the beginnings of it. In other words, absence of body, absence of life. These were remnants of what once used to be. These bones used to be the framework for living human beings. But alas, they're all gone. What's left are bones. And Ezekiel just transported right there. And the Lord begins to unfold the meaning of it. Verse 3. Verse 2. At the end it says that indeed they were very, they were very dry. 
So that means they were there for water. That means that whatever moisture was there, even microscopically, to a microscopic proportion of degree, seemed to have gone. The sun is very dry. No light whatsoever. And he said to me, Son of man, imagine if God was speaking to you, if I were to call your name and say, Here you are. What do you see? Bones everywhere. Many bones in the valley, and they're all very dry. And then the question comes from God to you, calling you by name. Son of man was a title. Can these bones live? You see human skeletons there? Can they live? When you look at this human skeleton, the skeletons, the natural response would be no. Life is gone. There's no way. Who has ever heard of bones having tendons and sinew, flesh just coming upon it, and then after that, life force coming in and back to normal? No one. Notice the prophet's answer, the priest's answer. So I answered, Oh Lord God, you know. It should always be our response. Whenever God comes to us and He asks us, Do you think this situation can reverse? A situation that is so horrible, the rest of life, it's dry, there's chaos, there's nothing. God takes us dead smack center in the middle of absolute chaos, decay, rottenness, the end. And he says, do you think I can make a new beginning here? Prophet priest said, Lord, in other words, faith is essential. The priests and the prophets of God were not to be void of faith in our life, walking with Jesus Christ in this life, in this journey. We need to express faith every step of the way because faith is the key to unlock the blessings of heaven. Imagine if the prophet said, Lord, I don't think so. No. They have gotten a rebuke. Because he had enough dealing with God to know. I'm not dealing with a human being or a God that I made up. I'm not dealing with some concept or some abstract notion. I'm dealing with a living God. He is the creator. And he's promised us through Jeremiah, Ezekiel being in captivity, that we're going to come out even in the furthest corners, God said to Moses and Deuteronomy, when you sin against me and things begin to fall apart and I scatter you because the sin is too much and you go to the furthest corners of the world, you're suffering. God spoke to Moses and said, the time when you realize that you're suffering and upon your life because you rebel against me and you humbly confess he said, I will reach out for you even in the furthest corner of the earth and bring you back to the land. Hallelujah. 
which means back to the will of God, hallelujah. Back to the perfect plan of God, the recovery, the new beginning. Ezekiel knew what God said. But he's put in an unprecedented situation. Beloved, whatever healings we've had with God, just like David with the bear and the lion, he took that same victorious attitude to Goliath. God will deliver me from the cause of the bear and the lion. Deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Who's about nine feet tall at least. Heavy armor. Nobody can lift what he can lift. It was very easy for him to destroy any man. But here comes a little handsome looking youth. No military background. This guy, maybe twice the size, quite literally. He's had a career in the military. And he absolutely wiped out the competition. But what did David do? What did Ezekiel have to do? Here's the situation. Everything is over. That's what they told David. Saul about that. King Saul, who's a warrior himself, valiant warrior, had many victories. But when he came to Goliath, because he began to move away from God, he lost faith. And he began to deal with things as he saw. He sized up Goliath compared to his size, just like we do with our problems, began to quiver and shake. And all of Israel who looked up to Saul, they began to shake too. But David had a different spirit. David came in and he said, the same way God did me before, I'm bringing that to this situation. Hallelujah. We have to bring that with us. God, but you didn't fail me there. You didn't fail me over there, Lord. You delivered me from death, O oh Lord. I shouldn't be alive today, Lord. What is this? It's nothing before the Almighty. This opposition from the enemy, even when we have something to do without problems, even when we're responsible, we may think in hindsight, you know what? I have a history of rebelling against God. It may not be necessarily the vile, open sins that people see on the street. It may be this. Quiet sin. That is, Lord, I want to be the control person. I want to run my life. I want to do things my way. And when I need you, I'll call you. But your commandments, I'll throw them behind my back. I'm just going to chuck your commandments. I like to your promises, but what you want me to do, it doesn't fit my lifestyle. With that rebellion, evil will come into the person's life. And when it does, thank God Almighty. He's not like human beings, like many human beings. He's so merciful. The moment the person who has actually defied God and done the opposite, and now they're in trouble, and they're thinking, woe is me. You know what the devil says? God doesn't want to even hear you. You made such a mess of your life because of you. This is happening. And an accuser will come. To push us down to the ground and try to destroy us. But God said this just like the children of Israel. Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Ezekiel knew all of this. If my people to call by my name, just like King Saul would pray, dedicate to the king. 
but humble themselves. Sit my face and pray. They will turn about face from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive them and heal them. This is our God. Seek to call and allow us, as I began before I was reading, share this with you. That is, unless I know God's own self disclosure of who He is because He has a perfect record, I will not have an accurate understanding of who God is. Thereby, my prayers will not be potent. There will always be an element of doubt. But the more I'm in the Word of God, the more concretely my faith will be grounded. I know who my God is. The Bible says, They who know their God shall do great exploits. I gave it. Amen. It's going to be used by God. When he answered in a way that he should have. In other words, he's not saying to God, God, I have the power, I have the knowledge, I'll tell you what it's going to be. No. That's what he said, no, it's not going to happen, he just said, oh Lord, you. In other words, God, I know. Very nasty because he knew God, he knew the word, he knew who God is, and he was careful in his talk with God, not that he was cringing in fear, running and hiding, but he had the holy records and the, the wisdom to answer God's question in the right way. Do you know if you ask God for wisdom, as it says in James chapter 1, Lord, I don't know how to pray. Lord, I don't know how to praise. Lord, if you are asking for a pleasing, perfect sacrifice, how can I ever do that, Lord? I don't know how to do it. We can ask him. We can say, Lord, would you tell me? Would you work in my heart by the Holy Spirit? You know, this is exactly how the people of God did over the centuries. Whenever they understood there's a discrepancy, there's a deficiency, I'm not connecting with God. I know there's more. And I'm not going to settle for less than the best. So I'm going to push it and say, God, help me to offer a sacrifice that's pleasing to you. Lord, break my heart to what breaks yours. Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. God heard this kind of approach from the prophet. And I pray that you would make that your approach. Know God, know his word. Press it and say, Lord, I don't want to be wrong about you. I don't want to think about you one way, it's not a good answer, but I want to know the truth. And now I can pray and answer your questions. The very next thing is, God had a command for him. An exclusive high privilege. Verse 4, again he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Bones of the valley. The situation that is irreversible, it's impossible, it's over. Ezekiel, I want you to open your mouth, speak my word. You prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones. Not hear my word, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will 
cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. When I was suffocating, and my lungs not able to breathe, and I was dying, it was God who caused the breeze to come through the window. That very moment when I was in tears, I could hardly breathe. And not only did he cause the winds to come in many years ago, when I was struggling by the window, before the Lord healed me. But you know what? No amount of oxygen that's available in the atmosphere can do anyone any good unless the capacity is there unobstructed to receive it. God who gives the breath gives life. Hallelujah. Anytime you see God give you a sign of his goodness, give you a promise, grab a hold of it and say, Lord, I know you're going to take me further. Amen? I'm not going to stop right here and say, well, that's all God can do. I guess I have to settle with this. No, he's just begun. Something new. Something new. God is going to do something new. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's keep on up. The word of the Lord. Let God be God in your life. When we step out of the way, we say, Lord, I can't even run my day where I should without your grace. Success in every day is not simply did I make a profit today? Did I finish all my chores? Did I meet all the people I'm supposed to? In other words, is my schedule all checked off? No. Successful day before the Lord God Almighty who made us is that I do the will of God. What did God want me to do? How can I even know what God wants me to do? People think we can be on autopilot. They talk about the will of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God, and but they are on autopilot. They think, well, whatever comes, I'll take it. And at the end of the day, I hope I did God's will. That's not the way to live. We need to go before the Lord every day and say, Lord, yeah, I have to go to work. I have to go to school. I have to do these chores. I have to visit these people. But, Father, in every transaction, in everything that I do, let my heart be full of praise to you. Because without you, I can do that. And, Father, in every place that I go, everyone that I meet, everything that I do, may the good hand of the Lord be with me. That people will see the light of Jesus in me. That's how you have a successful day. It's very simple. How we can miss our all of them. You know what? No one would believe what I say. No one would even venture to do that telling you the word of God unless they know the word of God. Unless they know and they're convinced this is God who sold me. And I can trust him. And I will do it exactly like this. Then you have to prosper. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to worship the Lord. But remember this. I said we're going to go to the next section. We'll go to that in a few moments. But let's receive this first of all. Even today, the impossible situation that you have. The situation that you say, Lord, I'm being so torn apart. It's wearing me down, oh Lord. 
I don't know if I can take it anymore. Oh, you're going to be at a slightly better stage. Lord, I think I can keep going, but it's, it's getting hard. I'm going to need more grace. All of these things, we say, Lord, I just don't see any sign of life. All I see is a valley, this ditch, it's low. It's at the bottom. My situation is at the bottom. You can't go any further down. Think of it. One or more particular things in your life it's really got you down. When you look at it, when you survey the situation, all you see is dry bones, rottenness, decay, death. We hear this word, whereas God may not say to you and to me, go ahead and prophesy. We can take this word and say, Lord, just let me tell this. That's how you connect with God with the word. You talk to God humbly and you say, Lord, I don't know if you're ever going to tell me to prophesy to drive home. I don't know. And I know one thing. I didn't read this last Lord. My drive home to the valley, my situation with my relative, Lord, with my health, with my finances, Lord. Oh, relationships, Lord. Lord, I'm a mess within me. Some people feel like they're going to explode because they're torn up. There's no unity within themselves. There's a schism within themselves. No matter what they do, where they go to dine and where they go to buy clothing and visit, they carry this burden, this curse. I'm just not together. People have various problems. Whatever they are, remember the word of the Lord. God. As you know, this passage, I'm sure many of us, will cause everything to come bit by bit. You see, the Lord Jesus healed people instantaneously. Sometimes it was progressive. We see something progressive here too. Don't stop because, oh Lord, I just saw one attendant come to that moment. This is good. Lord, how are you bringing these tissues, the muscle? Still no life, Lord. It's like a laboratory specimen, Lord. Okay, so skin is coming. Still, there's no life. We must never be like that. Never be like that. Never say, Lord, this is not enough. Say, Lord, I thank you that you're getting me step by step to the full remedy. Hallelujah. The full answer. The miracle will be complete if I'm able to express faith and thanksgiving and joy. Step by step, as God shows me, this is what I'm doing. How many of us are excited when God does something new? And say, Lord, I thank you for this. I'm going to hold on to this. But it's not over. It's just the beginning. God is looking for people of faith like that. Praise God. We're going to worship the Lord. Let's get into God's presence. So we're going to skip that section in Ezekiel 37. And go right to verse 15. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, as for you, son of man, take a stick for yourself and write on it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them one to another for yourself. 
into one stick and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you saying, will you not show us what you mean by these? What are you doing with these two sticks and writing these words and then putting it together? What's the meaning of it, prophet? God says, you say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, the son, who inherited the blessing, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. What happened? Judah was in captivity after the kingdom split into the north and south. Israel already went into captivity with Assyria, and then Judah went later into Babylon. The whole country was divided. The whole family was divided. Division within our families. God is saying, I will make you one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's power in the oneness and the spirit of God. God will prevail to make your family one. He did it for this nation. How can you have a nation that's split apart, so widely dispersed? The north Israel got punished. And they got scattered. And then he warned the south, Judah. They didn't listen either. They began to do the same thing and even worse. Then he scattered them. One went to Syria, the other went into Babylon. They all, they all messed up. Notice what God did before he said this. Oh, son of man. See these dry bones in this valley? They Can your family ever become one? Can you ever become one with your husband or your wife? Spirit of God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God says, can these rivals live? Can they live? Oh, Lord. We don't have to say, Lord, you know. We have to say, yes, Lord, I know, because you did it. Hallelujah. You see, the way the prophet answered was before the miracle happened. We have seen it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. God says, you see the division? He's over there and you're over here. Or she's over there and you're over here. Oh, you may be in the same house, but your world's apart. God said, I will gather you and make you one to worship God. Hallelujah. Praise God. A mighty miracle. He said, you see this? Take that stick. This represents the split nation. The north. Separate. Ephraim. Another word for Israel. And then Judah. Division. In fact, they were fighting against each other. Did you know the kings of Judah at some point were fighting against the kings of Israel? It was still a war of the worst war. Nation divided could not stand. They got decimated. But God, even when there are dry bones, no hope. The kings are so notoriously wicked. God actually had the eyes put out his own people. Because they wouldn't stop with abominations. They were worshipping all kinds of evil, doing grotesque things. They were violent. They went to widows and plundered widows. Kings were horrible. God said, stop, stop, stop. They didn't listen. Finally, he had to act. But the God of goodness and mercy said, 
even though everything looks like it's a pardon. Where is he talking to Ezekiel? Do you know where he is? Basically in prison. He's in captivity himself. Not for his sins, but for the people. You know, the word of God will come to you when you are in captivity. What use is it if you're free and you get a promise from God? You're going to be free. But it's when you're not free. When you don't have the freedom to worship the Lord the way you want to. Your own home. Within yourself. Freedom that needs to come to your family will only come you're free on the inside. Then say to them, verse 21, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone and bring them into their own land. I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. Is it possible? These foreign kings just came and did whatever they wished. They destroyed the temple. They burned the houses. They captured the king's family. How could God ever reverse this? We're in bad shape. Everything is chaotic. But remember, God is God. And he said, I will do it. He said, I will surely do it. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. No longer two kings. And one king shall be king over them all. In your family, in your life, you need to have one king. It's not Jesus and me on the throne. Part-time God. Lord, I listen to some of what you say, but, you know, when I feel like it, I'll act the way I want to, and I'll come back to you, and we'll be back and forth. God will not share his throne. He won't share his glory with anyone else. Is that right? But the glory that we receive from him, the... The grace that God gives under the new covenant to reign in life as kings and priests. We have authority in Jesus' name. We are overcomers, amen? We are more than conquerors, hallelujah. We do have authority and glory, but we never usurp God's glory. He's God. And He has the capacity to do what we cannot do. We need to be united in our own hearts. He said, no longer shall there be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. Hallelujah. This is after centuries. Solomon made a big blunder. He became proud. He had all the riches he wanted. He had all the pleasure he could possibly desire. He had all the intelligence, the wisdom. He was basically a superman. And you know what? For 40 years, he was the only king who had unprecedented peace through his entire rule. He had everything. But then he started to become proud. You know what? I'll begin to take matters in my own hands. And he actually began to make altars for false gods. Can you imagine the pain God had? The grief? What happened to the wise man? He became a fool. And that's why the kingdom got split. Because of his treachery. And since that time, from the 900s BC, all the way down to 500s BC, For four centuries, roughly, you had chaos and civil war. God is just looking at his people. What happened that they left me and began to do evil? Wickedness so great that I had to actually throw them out of the land. And then I actually allowed my whole temple 
to be destroyed. Can you understand the gravity of that? And yet God says, I know all the history. I have felt the pain. God is not some bystander or cosmic observer who's just watching things unroll with no emotion. No, God gets grieved. He gets hurt when we rebel and we do our own thing. And he watched the oppression of his own people at the hands of his own people also. And when foreign nations came and oppressed them, he didn't like it one bit. He was grieved, but he couldn't do anything because it was in their hands. And what happened? When he came to this point where Ezekiel's in captivity, the word of the Lord comes. You see, we need to know what God says about himself. Why he acts the way he does. Then we will know how righteous he is and how merciful he is. He said, even though all of this has happened in your life, your family is the way it is because of you. Maybe God says that some of us. And yet God doesn't leave us hanging there. He says, but I love you because you turned again to me. Watch what I'm going to do. Hallelujah. I'm going to bring unity. Hallelujah. Not unity. The way the world sees it. You know, I've seen people have family reunions. They may go from the north to the south, south to the north, east to west, west to east. They may have a t-shirt. <laughs> hey, this is the Peters family. We have little Peter, big Peter, medium Peter, and rich Peter, and not so rich Peter. And, well, we're all Peters. We love each other. Or the Stephen family, or the Crump family, or the Columbia family, or the Dyer, uh, your last name again, I'm sorry. That family, this family. Just think about it. You know, we have all the families. People, it's like a retreat, except there's a problem. There's no real unity. Did you ever notice that? I mean, we can work up unity to a degree. We can say, you know what? I'm going to really try to be the best I can to promote unity. But you know, we don't have the capacity to get into somebody's heart. You may effect some temporary behavior changes because the way you act you may get a smile back. They may share with you. But inside the bitterness one, God can do that. Hallelujah. The few that was there with the north and the south, Israel and Judah. Who can solve it? Nobody can solve it. God said, now is my time. I will solve this. We have to believe this. We have to say, Lord, the kind of rally I want, the kind of unity, is the unity where all of my family is going to worship God. Hallelujah. The one true God. Hallelujah. They're going to worship God. And we're going to give glory to God. We're going to go through this life as pilgrims and strangers together, foreign to this world. We're no longer going to have the value system of this world. That's the reason why we are separated and tragedy is struck. I'm going to come back to God. The one person who's united in his or her heart, this is Lord, my whole heart is for you. And I want to worship you in spirit and truth. John chapter 4, Jesus said this, woman, to the woman at the Samaritan, in Samaria, she said, we worship God over here at Mount Gerizim in the north in Samaria. That's our place to worship. Where's yours? In other words, I don't think Jerusalem is the place. Where we are, that's where God is. But you know what? Jesus didn't come back with, no, no, no. I'm a Jew and it's Jerusalem. No. Neither in this place nor in Jerusalem. Time is coming. Why? Because within 40 years, the temple will be gone. The Romans will destroy it. God will scatter the Jews. Again, for their treachery. God said to the woman, 
and is coming. I tell you the truth. Neither in this mountain that you idolize, Mount Gerizim, nor in Jerusalem. But they that worship God must worship God in spirit, deep within, and in truth, according to his word. God doesn't want me to come with any sacrifice, any song, any praise. But it has to be what he wants. Otherwise, it'll be refused. And I have to do it the way he wants. And then I'll make the connection with God. What is he saying? He said, for they that worship God must worship him in spirit. And he's going beyond the emotions of the intellect, deep down inside the entire heart. Oh, you can just feel my entire being is behind my worship. I don't see anyone anymore. I see the Hallelujah. And I'm going to do it according to truth. He said, because, you know why? God is a spirit. God is not a human being. God is not just emotions and intellect. He's a spirit. Everything that we see came from what we cannot see. God, who's invisible, to the human eye, made everything that we see, and the things we don't see. He's invisible. But he manifests himself to those who will come near him and believe and obey him. So we need to worship God in the spirit. So when we talk about unity, we begin to understand, my whole heart, my whole understanding, must be according to his revelation. Oh, Lord, would you give me a guidebook, please? Imagine people saying that over the years. I hear about God, you know, Father Abraham said this, and Moses talked about this. I wish I could have a copy of some document. Can I have even a page? Look, just give me a checklist, please. Because I just don't know what you like. I don't even know how to bring it to you, Lord. I'm in the dark. God said, I'll do better than one leaf of paper. I'm going to give you a whole book. In fact, I'm going to give you volumes of books. I'm going to give you a, a compilation of 66 books. In one volume called the Bible to let you know exactly. No. A vague shadow. No, I'm going to show you exactly who I am. And I'm going to show you exactly who you are. It's going to be a mirror for you too. And I'm going to show you exactly how to bridge the gap because sin has separated me from you. And you know how you're going to get to me? When you come humbly and you forget everyone except me. And you come to me and you break down and you say, Oh Lord, help me to bring worship that's pleasing to you. Lord, when I present myself to you, may it be acceptable. After all, what's the point? If everything I bring, not one thing is accepted by him. So how do I get it accepted? God shows us. He says, rend your hearts, not your garments. They had a habit. In the Old Testament, even the kings, they would make a tear of their robe or their vestment when they had this deep remorse. When tragedy strikes, they put dust on their head. They'll have a sackcloth, a burlap, this rough material to show that I'm, I'm afflicted. I'm afflicted. It's no time to walk around looking fancy and, and thinking I'm all that. I'm going to be broken before God. Well, they had an external way of communicating that. You know what God said? You've been doing this for a while, but I don't see your heart doing that. He said, you're doing it on the outside, but your heart, 
There's no brokenness there. He said, you talk a lot. Your talk is cheap because your actions, your thoughts, you're still your own person. You want to do your own thing. You're coming to me without truth. So he said, don't rend your garments. Don't rip that. Rend your hearts. Let your hearts be broken. Ezekiel had all this precedent. And he said, the dry bones will live. And it happened in the passage before this. Now he's saying, you know what? Just like I showed you in this vision, your people, all of Israel and Judah, I'm going to bring them back together. This is a sign you're going to show the people. When they ask you, you're going to tell them what it means. We're not going to stop there. Very important, the next part. Why? Somebody says, oh, I turned the news. There's some problems somewhere in Europe. Nation against nation again. Maybe a small one against a big one. In Asia, in the Pacific over there, another conflict. And we, we just get used to this, you know, conflict, conflict, conflict. What does it have to do with me? We don't even think why might it have happened in the first place. Is there anything we can see in the Bible that may show us? But in this situation, is what God says. Notice in verse 23. The division came because of this. The division came because of this. The problems came because of this. Look what God says. They shall not defile themselves anymore. No more will my people pollute themselves. Nor with their idols. Nor with their detestable things. Hateful, grotesque, vile things. Such as turning on the TV and watching something that you know is corrupt. It may be a, a quip. It may be a little joke. It may be a sitcom and a little line here. Everybody's laughing, but God is very grieved. It's an abomination to him. Because it is celebrating vileness and detestable things. It's like bringing an idol into the home when a person says he's a Christian and hauling, you know, with a truck, this 10-ton idol, bringing in and setting it in the right place. Does it look good here? Does it look good there? And then it's there. This demonic-looking thing. But they haven't worshipped God too. God said, this is exactly what Israel and Judah did. They had idols. He said, no more. Oh, I'm stepping in to save them. Hallelujah. And he said, they're detestable things, hateful things, abominable things. No, they're not going to be defiled anymore. God is going to do something. That's why it's not going to happen. Nor with any of their transgressions, willful rebellion. But I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned. See that? It does no use to talk about history, even biblical history. Not know why things happened the way they happened. And then find out what God wants us to do about it. Get the remedy and get back to him be restored. Hallelujah. We need to know the truth. God presents the truth to the prophet. He said, I will cleanse Hallelujah. You have hope for yourself? You're carrying shame? You're carrying guilt? You know things have happened because of you and maybe other people? But God says, I want to free you from your defiled conscience too. I want to forgive you. I'm going to do something in you and in your people. Hallelujah. But it's going to take me to cleanse you. Only I can do it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the Blood of Jesus. Ezekiel sprinkled clean water. 
There was a picture of the blood, the fountain. God sprinkled clean water, I should say. Ezekiel recorded that. He said, I will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. David, my servant, shall be king over them. And they shall have, all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments. That means God's decrees, commandments. In and observe my statutes, all the ordinances, all the stipulations, all the regulations. In other words, everything God gives us because they bring life to us. They just violated it, so they got death. God said, I'm going to wash them. Yeah, the dry bones are going to live. I'm going to redo their lives. I'm going to recreate. And I'm going to establish them. They're going to do what I tell them to do. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwell, and they shall dwell there, they and their children. As you're hearing this, think about your family, think about your loved ones, think about your problem. They say, Father, you're talking to me. You're talking to me, Lord. Step by step, you're going to do it. You're going to perform it, Lord. And all I need to do is be in the right place, which is broken before you, getting the abominations out and saying, Lord, I don't want it anymore. I want you. You're more than enough. He says, moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will establish them and multiply them. Look at the prosperity. Remember, God's restoration is never back to the same place. It's always for better, for more, more glorious. Hallelujah. And he says this, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst evermore. Hallelujah. God says, I will complete the work I've begun. I promise you, if you receive my word and you believe it, I will do this. Now we talked about unity. Peace. Unity. In Mark chapter 9, very briefly, we're going to look at just a verse or two. Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Jesus said about 600 years after Ezekiel, five, six centuries later, Jesus came on the scene. The Son of God to give the final word. This is what he said. Mark chapter 9 verse 50. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves. Have peace one with another. When we think about unity, we need to be a peacemaker. But we will never be a peacemaker unless we have peace within ourselves. Salt is good. Salt gives a distinct flavor. It absolutely changes the dish in many cases. Even with a pinch. Has that kind of potency. That salt, Jesus says, represents God's favor and God's flavor upon our lives. That we are called to have this quality that promotes peace. 
They're called to have this quality of oneness within myself. You see, if I'm split apart and I don't know what I'm doing, I can't help others find out how to have peace either. I need to be united. I need to take myself in hand and say, everything in your life, talk to yourself, everything in your life is going to be by the book, by the word of God. Everything. And I'm going to pray and say, Lord, please unite my heart to steer your name, Lord. Verse again. Unite my heart, Lord. There's a schism. There's a north and south within me. There's civil war within me. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. There's a problem. Romans chapter 7. Many, many people are stuck there. They think that's the end all. No, there's a Romans chapter 8 that says the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm free. No, I don't, I'm not, I'm not under any temptation where I feel drawn and I feel struggled. No. No, that stuff has been mortified. Hallelujah. And the devil may bring something else. That'll get crucified too. Amen. Hallelujah. Every battle until there's no hold on us. Romans chapter 8. But you see, if I don't have that peace, you know when we lose peace? When we overstep God's boundary. It may be in one area, small area, big area, but the moment I, God says, here's the line. And we say, ah, I think I'll do this. Well, at that point, I'm in trouble. That's when the peace begins to leave. You know what also happened? The peacelessness that, the peacelessness that comes in, it begins to affect other people too. There'll be a problem. God Almighty. God Almighty. Speaking to us loud and clear. Both from Ezekiel and from the book of Mark to the Lord Jesus Christ. Division came because of disobedience. That's where division comes. Unity comes and peace comes when there's obedience. In order for me to be a peacemaker, I need to be a peace holder. I need to have peace. I need to have my heart full of this salt. This favor of God with the flavor of God. The divine favor and the divine flavor when I need to have peace. You know how you get peace? By not overstepping the boundaries. God says, don't do this. Don't react this way anymore. I know how you reacted before, but it's a new day and I'm giving you my word. I'm I'm doing things over in your life. Hallelujah. I'm going to make you invincible. I'm going to make you unstoppable. Hallelujah. That's what God is about. But you need to begin to Observe my statutes, my commandments, my ordinances. Everything I told you, how to run your finances. You know, God has a prescription for that. What to do with your money. How to make the money. How to use the money. God has it in the word. How many people care to listen? They jump with this thing from Satan. Oh, I don't want to talk about money. You know, that's probably the churches today. It's all about money and I don't want to talk about money and but what about your own handling of your money before the Almighty who gave it to you? Make sure you don't cross the line. In your relationships, how are you supposed to react to people and even what thoughts you think? You know, the word comes because of thoughts. It doesn't just come randomly out of nowhere. Your thoughts. The mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. If you don't have peace in your heart, guess what's going to come out? Even if it seems to come under the veneer, the facade, 
of peaceful words, the spirit behind it will be unpeaceful. And the devil was an evil spirit. He'll see that very clearly. And he'll say, go ahead, talk all your nice, lovely talk. But the spirit that's with you is my spirit, so you're going to bring division. We need to know God wants 100% sincerity, unity in our hearts, so that we don't have division within ourselves. Have salt in yourselves. Matthew chapter 5, God talks about salt. And he talks about that salt and light. And we will be the agents to promote the unity in our people. But you got to have a clean slate. You have to have peace. Peace. Unity. Love. P-U-L. Pull. How do you pull yourself together? How do you pull your people together? You gotta have peace. P. You gotta have unity within yourselves. You gotta have love. First Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8a. They are solid remedy for virtually any problem we have. Do you know that? Because God has basically revealed his nature, which is love. God is love. And he says, love. Did the north love the south and the south love the north? Did Israel love Judah and Judah? Israel, no, they're fighting against each other. One had abominations and the other one followed suit. They had their own abominations. Idolatry in the north, idolatry in the south. You're going to have peace? No. Even when Jehoshaphat went from the south and went to King Ahab and said, hey, let's Let's work together and fight against a common enemy. Did they have peace? No, they have perished. Jehoshaphat got reprimanded actually. A prophet came to the king Jehoshaphat, who was good, but he had a misjudgment. He said, oh, Ahab, Ahab, you're my brother. We're from the same stock. You know, you had war, I'm going to be right with you. Prophet came to Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked? See how it happens? The unity that appears... God is not in it, it's going to be disaster. So we need to be keen on that. I want the unity that comes from God. And that's the P-U-L, P-U-L. Have salt in yourselves, this flavor of peacefulness. May your heart be united, may it be together. Sit down, sit down, sit down. May it be united together where you don't have a division within you. And Lord, I will obey your voice, I will do what you say. And then you actually... Have that unity that I'm not trying to do something I know I shouldn't do and I'm not not doing something I know I should do. Struggle has ceased. Because I left Romans chapter 7 and went to Romans chapter 8 and found the secret. It's simply, you know, when you go to kindergarten, kids go to kindergarten, first grade, when I taught second grade years ago, you show the children exactly where things belong. You have to establish a routine. Because they don't know any routine. And you, and you smile and you welcome them. You talk in a, in a loving manner to them. And you show the little ones, this is where you hang up your jackets. Everybody has a hanger. And this is your spot. You know, in a few days, they get it done. They come in and it's like clockwork. They go right to the coat hanger place and they put and this way you put your book bag and look this is how you take the books out and the pencils and your pen and whatever you have you know your crayons and you bring it to your desk and you say your desk 
You work at your desk until I come and see the good work you did. And then I'm going to bring you together with other boys and girls. We're going to work together. These are the seminal uh, beginnings of collaboration within people. Even as they get older, they go to college, collaboration. But the point is this. How do, how do little ones know how to follow rules like that? I've never seen a child struggle when they come in. I don't know where I'm going and, you know, they tell them about the coat hanger and every day I forget. No, they just go. They have a sense of accomplishment and they're ready for the next thing. We can do the same thing. The key is, pay close attention to every single thing God has said. Every single thing. Let not one commandment of God be become optional. That's the secret. Anytime a commandment of God or prophecy of God, promise of God, sobering warning of God becomes optional, or begin, we begin to despise it just a little bit, we have opened a big door for disaster. That's how it works. The reason is God is life. Apart from Him, there's death. The reason is God is light. And His Word is light. The entrance of your words gives me light, the Bible says. So what happens when you don't have the Word? Jesus said, keep the Word. That means guard it, use it, do it. If you don't have it, you'll have chaos. So that's why many people who are Christians, they struggle a lot because they despise God. David was doing a lot of good things. But when it came to this immoral desire, adulterous desire, he despised the commandment that opened up disaster in his family. He lost the peace, he lost the unity within himself. Psalm 51, he's in chaos. Until God came and forgave him when he repented. But you know what? When he repented, look what God says in Ezekiel. Centuries later, he says, David will be the shepherd. He will be the one who's going to be the united king for all of the people. So that says to me, every one of us has hope. No matter how far you've gone from God, how many times you've actually despised God, if you really look at it, God said do this, you didn't do it. That's despising. That's like saying, ah, I don't care about what you say. That's an offense. That's foolishness, but we've done it, perhaps. God says in spite of that, I'm going to do something in your life where your heart will be united to fear my name. You're going to have peace within you. You're going to have unity. You're going to have love of God. And you know what? You're going to be salt and light to everyone. They're going to see the nature of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's going to draw them to say, where am I? Why am I like I am? I want to be like you. You see, one by one, just like the bones, the sinews, the tendons, the flesh, the skin, everything comes together. Hallelujah. Do you believe this word? Hallelujah. God will do it for you. If you don't believe it, it will not happen. But I'm excited because God has given us the word that God will do tremendous things to the point where you won't even recognize who you used to be. Amen? How many of us think, many of us think this way, you know what, Lord? Some people are smiling, they say, oh, I know how I am, boy. Put me in the right place and you'll see the buttons pushing. It's fireworks, it's not going to be pretty. But you know what? We have a problem. We say, well, I'm not the way I used to be. I used to be a very jealous person, someone may say. I don't care for that anymore. 
I'm happy when people are doing well. My problem is that when somebody does me wrong, oh boy, here it comes, even Steven. It's not really even, but it's wrong. By the way, it's not me. But <laughs> this is the kind of thing that you know people carry with themselves, with themselves, right? At certain points, at certain things, we know, hey, I have, I have to grow. I need growth. I need repentance. But don't stop there. And don't think, I'm always going to have things. Some people have that mentality. We'll always have faults. We need to unpack that for a moment. What do you mean false? If you're talking about false, such as, oh, I forgot. That's one thing. But I'm willfully sinning. That's not just a fault. That's a transgression. That's a trespass. That's a violation. You passed the boundary. You did something illegal. Those things we should not have. Because God has cleansed us. We say we're Christian. I'm born again. I've been baptized. I've made my commitment to God. This is a covenant. And I have the Holy Spirit. There's no way I can fail. I need more of this word into me. Just the way it is. Undiluted. Unperverted. I refuse to hear the false grace teaching. I don't want to hear about failure. I want to look at my God. He's a victor. He's a winner. Hallelujah. He never fails. How can you ever fail if you follow Jesus? The Lord says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. He'll have the light of life. Hallelujah. If we're following Jesus the way we should, we will never, ever stumble. Never. Because he's the light. You can't stumble in the light. It's his darkness that you stumble. Just remember this P-U-L. Peace within me because I have a clean conscience. I have actually begin to highly esteem every word that God has spoken. Do you know what God has spoken to you? I know what He's spoken to me. I know which areas He highlights. Which areas He says, you need to go deeper here, deeper there. And we keep walking with God. Let there be no willful transgression, but don't stop there. Let us say, Lord, I can have more of you in this area too. I'm not presumptuously sinning. That means willfully. But I'm a little neglectful maybe here, Lord. I just, things have just gotten busy. And I say, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, I have to put you first, Lord. I'm not spending enough time with you. That's why the peace left. Get that right. And then we begin to treasure every commandment. We say, Lord, help me. And the salt for the peace, the flavor and the favor of God will, will be within you. There'll be no more, I do the things that I don't want to do. And end up not doing the things I want to do. Isn't that horrible civil war within the human being? How, how treacherous and how diabolic, satanic for any preacher, any church to ever say, Romans chapter 7, you're always going to struggle. That's a lie from the devil. That's how the devil is slaughtering people. They say, I don't want to do drugs, but I end up doing it anyway. Who are you? A slave of the devil or son of God? It's when people preach false doctrine to tell people, well, even though you're free and whom the sun set free, free indeed, you're still a slave to these things. You'll always have that. That's a lie. It's such an offense. Such a terrible thing. We need to know the word of God and say, God, every day, even more important than my physical hygiene, Many, many people who are wild in their moral lives are very meticulous in their physical hygiene. Their teeth are sparkling white. 
They will stop at no length to get the money, the hair color. I mean, men too. You know, and the, the right clothing and the decorum, whatever it is. They just, they just know I can't go in public like this. No, I need to have my X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Why? Because the image is so important to keep up. You know, what do people think of me? And I don't feel good if I don't have this. Whatever happened to, what does God think of me? And how I have this fullness no matter what I am on the outside. We can be undivided in our hearts and say, Lord, I want your favor. I'm not going to look for the honor that comes from man, but I want the honor that comes from you. The mic here while I'm talking. Notice that? Happen. Praise God. So, it's fixing everything. Praise God. So, P-U-L. The Lord gave that word early in the morning to me. From Ezekiel and Mark chapter 9. And how we think about pull. Pull together. I wonder if somebody can escort Samuel to the back there. Or just take the bottle, yes. And it's better. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let the word really capture your hearts. Remember this easy acronym. P-U-L. Pull. I want to be someone that has pulled together myself within me. I don't have this split personality, spiritually speaking, where I do things I don't want to do and not doing the things I should do. No, I want to pull together within me for unification, no division, north and south, no civil war within me. No, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. I do what Christ tells me to do. Amen? I will keep his commandments. Hallelujah. That's normal Christianity. There's no struggle because he's my captain, he's my Lord. And anytime the devil comes and incites my flesh or makes me feel a certain way, I go right to Jesus. And they say, Lord, help me get to his word and I curse that evil spirit and I go hang out with people who are walking around. Amen? Isn't that easy? It's when people make the wrong decisions and they begin to not listen to the counsel. Then they wonder, why am I split apart? Well, if part of a country is going and betraying the nation, right? And talking to the enemies... You think that nation's going to stand? No. There's betrayal. Be true to God. And then God will use you like Ezekiel. Even when you see your family in captivity, even when you see your people in captivity, you will have that faith. You'll have the connection with God. You'll have the clear conscience. And you'll have that promise of God that just the dry bones will live. Hallelujah. The dry bones are going to live. God is going to cause the dry bones to live. And no more two kings. You're no longer going to have God and the devil. God is not going to have a part-time shift in your family, so to speak. You know, he's my boss half the time. And the other half, the devil's my boss. The God says away with all of that. I will be your captain and king all the time. Hallelujah. One shepherd. David stands for the Messiah. Jesus is called the son of David. He inherited David's throne. So that's a picture of Jesus being, even though it wasn't revealed there, fully in the Old Testament. We know in the New Testament, Jesus is the king. Under him is David. 
I will follow the Lord. I will obey the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to have communion. We're going to examine ourselves. Lord willing, in a little while. But as you have heard this word, think to yourselves the various points of application and how God has shown precisely what to do and how he's given the motivation to be able to understand that through the Spirit of God, I can put to death everything that's contrary. It doesn't matter how old you are, what gender, what your occupation in life is, God is equal opportunity. There's only one way back to him. is to utterly despise myself, utterly esteem him. That's when the value and the worth will come from him and transfer to us. That's when we will behave like a prince. The person that's a prince and the person that's a pauper, they may look identical. In fact, they may, may have been identical twins and something happened and one went to Scotland, another went to England, the UK, the, the Great Britain, and they just don't even know the other one exists. And one day, when the actual prince, maybe he's 16 years old, he goes on a tour, having inherited the throne at a young age, and he comes to Scotland and he sees the spitting image of himself. The same hair, the same look, the same height, and he's looking at him and saying, do I know you? And the, the voice comes back, oh, I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't know you. And he says, how is it that you look exactly like me? And the other one not only looks like this one of the features, but the problem is there's a whole bunch of soot, torn clothes, basically a street kid. And he's used to being very clever. He goes by the fruit stands and he steals an apple here and he runs over there and he does all this stuff and pickpockets, you know, all these things. And what happens? What happens? He looks at him and he says, you can't be related to me, even though you look like me. But then the truth comes out. Actually, you are, but we got separated. And where you grew up, the environment, totally different. We turn out to be a different product altogether. Now imagine this one exchanging roles. You think that it'll be easy for the prince? Think of this. This is the point. You think the prince that is in the royal, he may be 16 years old. He's got his little dagger as they used to have, you know. And uh, he's got the gold ring or the diamond ring and everything. The whole regalia of the, of the prince. The monarch. And they say, you know what? We're going to switch places. Either one will have a very difficult time adapting to the new world. Isn't that true? You have the one that's living on the street. All he knows about pickpocketing and stealing and conning people. And all of a sudden he has to sit in a certain way and trust everybody? Oh no. You don't trust anybody where I come from. And he's sitting there and he doesn't trust his servants. He doesn't trust his family. And he's just sitting there thinking, where's my next opportunity to steal some more? You know what? There's a wise man over there and he teaches them actually how to think and how to live. And he keeps drilling something into his head. You know what that is? You're a prince. You're a prince. You don't do that. Princes don't go around pickpocketing people. Princes don't harbor suspicions constantly. No, they know who they are. 
They know the power they have, the authority. They live in a majestic way. Meanwhile, the prince that actually went to become the street kid, his look-alike, identical twin, he has a very difficult time to pickpocket anybody. You may have the other kids that come around, they don't know that this is actually the prince because he looks just like the other guy. Say, hey, come on, let's go. We have something we can do. We can gain something here. Are you with us? And there's a great hesitation. He doesn't want to give himself away, but he just can't do it. He would rather die than to take out a dirty pair from the ground and just brush it off and eat it. No, it's got to be washed. It's got to be sanitized. He's not going to put anything in his body. He's not going to go fight over there on the street for petty things, you see? Unless we know our identity in Christ, how we are royalty because of the blood of Jesus, not because we're anything, because the blood is, we won't know how to behave. So long as we have this mentality that, you know what, I'm in the world, I defend for myself, and nobody's perfect. That's not to say nobody's perfect in the sense of nobody's infallible. Praise the Lord. This is where the show stops. Hallelujah. Danny, can you take brothers and back? It's okay. It's been good. Good, right? Hallelujah. Praise God. No, no, no anger, no tormenting. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. Praise God. God wins. Think about that prince. That prince. He's over here. He won't just pick a fight. He won't just say, you know what? I have to play the role. It's hard for a genuine believer to put his or her hand into sin. Would you agree? It's not only hard, it's impossible. Wait a minute. It's impossible for a true child of God to sin against God? Think about it. That's what the Word of God says. He says, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for the seed of God remains in him. The potential to step out of bounds, I still have the free will. But so long as I'm a genuine follower, if I'm in the light, I cannot do anything in the dark, you see? We need to grasp that. And when you and I, when you and I understand our identity, that I'm royalty, no, I don't drink anymore. Why? It's a new nature. I hate that stuff. And that's in me. But whoever used to drink. Somebody said, I don't smoke any white. If you have a struggle with the cigarettes when you see it, no, I hate that stuff. In fact, my body can't even stand it, even though I used to smoke, someone may say. Someone says, man, why don't you watch this? See that person that doesn't belong to you? Just check that person out. You know, scan them up and down, and nobody knows. It's in your heart. You commit adultery in your heart, so what? You can look, but you don't touch. No, it's a full-blown lie. You're already on the way to hell because Jesus said, what you think in your heart, you already committed. But you go to the genuine follower of Christ. You say, hey, wow, look at that person. There's no connection whatsoever. You're actually dead to that stuff. Oh, can you see this? Do you know yourself or believers around you who are struggling to keep the word of God? You know why that's happening? Because they're not following God. That's why. They're not 
highly esteeming the word of God. That's why. And you know when the instructions are given, don't go here, don't go there. They violate those things and they wonder, why am I the way I am? I end up doing what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I'm supposed to do. One year passes. Spiritual, schizophrenia, sick personality. Two year passes. It becomes a given. Well, all my life I'm a Christian. I have a cross on my neck maybe. Or I'm going to you know, worship God here. And I'm going to pray to worship you. Yeah, I'll check out that video about the sermon. I'll do all of that stuff. But I'm still not 100% with God. I know it. And I want to tell you the truth. This person may say, I'll never be 100%. Why? Well, because the truth is, we can never be 100% obedient to God. They listen to the lie. That's not the truth. Ezekiel was a man dedicated to God. Ezekiel was a man who heard the voice of God. He was a man who kept the commandments of God. He was a man who had the privilege because he was following God. When you follow God, I want to tell you this, when you routinely do what God says for you to do, even the things that seem so ordinary, you just do everything by the book. Suddenly, you're going to see the vision. Amen? Suddenly, God will say, you're the one I want to show something deeper. Come on. And not only am I going to show it to you, I'm going to give you the power, hallelujah, to raise the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. To raise the dead. Jesus said, he that believes in me will do greater works than these. It's a promise. It's open to everyone. But how the devil keeps us small-minded and struggling in the corner just to try to be clean and sober. He says, that person is no competition. It's boring. I just assigned the least of my demons and he keep them occupied. When we start fighting for our rights, I'm a child of God. No, devil, I won't do what you say. I know, when this old friend comes to me and says this to me, I know who's behind him. That's Satan. I'm not listening to that. I have no part with that. That's when we act the way we're supposed to do. And God will bring you to the valley where God will use you to bring restoration. P-U-L. Peace, unity, and love. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to at least read this. We'll see what we actually partake. Matthew chapter 26. Times in my life when I was filled with the Spirit of God and I had not a care in the world. I could, I could actually feel like I could just be taken up and down. I, I just felt the love of God and the joy of God. I don't want anything. You know what those times were? When I kept reading the word with a heart of fear before God. Genuine fear. The fear of the Lord. You cannot be defeated if you're in the word of God. And if you approach God and give him a pleasing sacrifice. Matthew 26 verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks Gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood 
of the new covenant. Ezekiel heard about the new covenant. We are actually living it. Hallelujah. Through the blood. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. For the remission of sins. Remit means to put away. It means to forgive. This is my blood is shed in this cup that you see. This this fresh grape juice, the fruit of the vine. It's given to you to show you my blood right in front of you. Wash with all of your sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine. It's not alcoholic. Notice fruit of the vine. That's something that has to be fermented. No, it's a fresh grape juice. From now on until the, that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. If you were to take this bread and each of you took the bread and you actually were the, was the first one to break it and you broke a piece and you gave it to your neighbor next to you and you say, eat this, this is my body. Sometimes unless we think in these terms, we won't understand what's going on. We're so used to hearing the verses and, you know, hey, Jesus said that, yeah, I know. We need to wait a minute. If I took that bread right now and I, as I'm going to do, I, I break it apart. And I say, take it, this is my body, says Jesus. That's one thing. But how would it shock you if I said, take this piece of bread, this is my body. Think, wait a minute. Putting aside for the moment that is blasphemy, just trying to understand the concept. What do you mean this is your body? You're in front of me. This is your body. This is bread. Your body is actually, your hand from your body is giving me the bread. It can't be a body. Jesus said this is my body. He has infused something into this. When the Spirit of the Lord is present, He said this is my body. Can I alter that? Can I read into it and say, yes, yeah, symbolic and this. We may have heard that. It's not true. It's something supernatural. And when somebody takes the word of God just as it is, and they have that reverence for God, they say, he said, take my body. I'm saying, when I have that in my hand, I have Jesus' body. Everybody has Jesus' body. Now when I eat it, his body, which is his life, is going into me. Hallelujah. And when he says, take and drink this, imagine if I took the cup and I, I poured in a little cup and gave it to each one of you and said, this, when you come up and you get it, this is my blood. It's a new agreement I'm making with you. He says, blasphemy. It would be if I did, I would never do it. But to understand the concept, what are you saying? This is, this is grape juice. Your blood is in your body. Those are two different elements. Jesus said, this is my blood. We just need to stick with scripture. No more, no less. Anytime we have a problem and we don't understand, all we need to say, Lord, I don't understand. But never say, I think this is what it means. So I'll add this or take this away. That's where the problem comes. When you say, Lord, I don't understand, would you show me? God will show you. And when we partake, we need to come in an appropriate way. I believe it will be our practice from this time forward to read these passages 
including this one, because it's very, very important. After all, God said this is the way you approach it. In 1 Corinthians, let's turn there. 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 11. And let's go to chapter, uh, well, chapter 11, and let's go to verse 23. Having heard what Jesus said there, now we're going to hear Paul also quote Jesus, and then explain some things. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 11.23 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Paul got it directly from Jesus. Paul actually saw Jesus. He was not among the twelve or other people that followed him around, but later on he actually saw Jesus. In fact, in the book of Acts later on, he says, I saw the Lord speaking to me, he says. So he received it from God. Jesus told him this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, that's the night, not any other night, the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks to the Father, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, the new contract, the new agreement. In my blood. This do as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread. Please pay attention to the word. For as often as you eat this bread. You. In me. And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death. To the cross. Yes, Jesus died for me. So. A number of things are happening in the Lord's table. One is, I'm remembering him. I'm also showing forth the truth that he died on the cross for me and for the sins of the whole world. I'm also partaking of his life right then and there. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and then let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner Somebody says, we're all unworthy, right? That's where we come to Christ. Let's talk about something different. We were unworthy because we're rebels and sinners. But his blood made us worthy. He's given us a new heart, a new garment. We just need to keep it like that and stay worthy. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 
He says you'll be guilty of the blood and body of Christ. And also you will not discern properly the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak. And sick among you. And many sleep. Are you hearing this? God is actually given this strong caution in the word of God. Every time we partake, we should be reading and listening to this. Remembering this. We had a place ministering years ago. And the leader got up. And said, we need to celebrate. Don't be sad. He was smiling. He had the bread and the the coffee is like, it's a celebration. Jesus is no longer in the grave. Hallelujah. And everybody's laughing. Meanwhile, they're sitting in the camp. <laughs> no repentance. There were defiled people sitting right there. They came. They dared come and partake. Well, God wasn't there, first of all. That's a total gross, misguiding spirit. My Bible says something different. You come to the Lord's table. Be thankful. It's time to celebrate, but not before we get right with God. And this is what it says here. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. He's doing it to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. Not understanding what he's doing. Or wanting to understand. For this reason many are weak. Because of this spiritual neglect, heart neglect, disobedience, their bodies get attacked because of that. For this reason many are weak and sick among you and many die. They sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, chastened, that we not, may not be condemned with the world. In other words, when stuff happens to us, it's to bring us to repentance because we have mishandled the table of the Lord. That's provided for person repented. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest he come together for judgment. And the rest of was set in order when I come. He had the Spirit of God. Everything that was chaotic, that Satan came in through different people. Hey, let's go this way, let's go. No, I don't believe that. Paul said, wait a minute. The Lord is the Lord of the church. We follow his instructions. And this has to be set right. Otherwise, people are going to be debilitated in their bodies. They're going to get sick. And some are even going to die. And if they don't repent with the chastening, they don't come back the different way, they're going to lose everlasting life. Now, we need to get right with God. Whatever we have done, whatever we picked up during the week, we don't have to. There can be people here right now who can say, Lord, I've done everything you told me to do. I've not done anything you told me not to do. However, if that's not the case, we need to say, Lord, no, I didn't say the words you want me to say. Lord, I spoke wrong. Lord, I said to somebody that you told me to say when you didn't say it. And Lord, I handled the situation not like you would have handled it. And I went away and stormed away my pride. And it stayed with me for a few days. Lord, this can't be. This can't be. There's got to be a change. Lord, I want to have peace within me. Unity, Lord, and love. Oh, forgive me when I failed. Lord, I don't want that anymore. I want to do it your way. Starting right now. That is genuine repentance. Whoever forsakes the sin, not just confesses it. You know, God, you know, I'm sorry for this, sorry for that. No, but did you leave it? 
Do you hate it? Then we're ready. We have repentance. Praise be to God. We're going to 